0: Welcome to Carter to Talk, the podcast to help those in the care sector look after their own mental health, as well as the people they manage. Thanks for joining me, Lee Truman, and my co-presenter Mark Coldfield, to talk about another important topic in the mental health and wellness sphere that particularly takes its toll of those that work in care. How are we doing today, Mark?
1: Good, thank you. Yeah, not bad at all. Thanks. You?
0: I'm awesome. Really good. Really. Marvelous. Be recording another podcast. Um, so in this episode, we'll be discussing trauma, and straight away, would like to do the responsible thing and put a bit of a trigger warning on the topics and scenarios that come up throughout this discussion. May include subject like abuse, grief, self harm, and suicide amongst other talking points. On this episode, we're delighted to be joined by another guest. So I'd like to introduce Lucy Buxton. Lucy is the owner of LGB Coach Consultancy. An independent coaching consultancy specializing in working with organizations and individuals in social care. How are we doing, Lucy? Fabulous. Thank you. Awesome. Great to have you this week. Thank um, you. So we're just gonna um so we're gonna start off with pits and peaks. Um, so I'm gonna start with my pit. And this week it's something that I should be listening to what I say. So um work has been super busy, um, but I've also forgot to to switch off a little bit and spend time with the family as much as I should do. So um again, for me it's it's just letting the work-life balance get out of kilter in terms of the work. Um, and obviously some, some of the personal relationships have been suffering there. So so that's my down point there. I need to readdress that work-life balance and get back to to a nice even balance where I'm spending time with friends family doing stuff that I like as well as working as well
1: and Mark yeah uh my my, my pit I suppose is um is quite recent is about an hour ago um, I went to go and see my mum. um she's in a nursing home um, just down the road from me and it's one of those really really tricky tricky ones you know she's uh, been in it since December And today was just one of those really difficult days. You know, um, she couldn't remember that her husband died six years ago. She thought he was still around. She didn't understand why she was in this home. She didn't understand uh, what I was talking about when I was talking about going and, you know, clearing out her house and sorting out affairs and financial things and things like that. And it was just one of those really sad Sad, you know, sad situations, you know, when you kind of, um, despite knowing it's the right thing and despite knowing she should be there and all all of those good things, it's really, really sad when your mum, you know, uh, the the one family member I'm really, really close to, um, couldn't remember any of that stuff. So for me, yeah, it was quite, quite, quite sad, quite tragic. And, uh, but you know, equally, I know she's in the right place. So it's difficult. What about you, Lucy?
2: Oh, wow. This is a bit of an interesting one for me because yeah. um, I don't know. It's, I've got so many peaks. I'm trying to find a <laughs> peak. Um, oh, right. Okay. So, what's I've your least
1: me- peaky thing then?
2: My least peaky thing. Yeah. Oh, um, it's colder today.
0: It definitely is. Yeah, it's colder. It That's my Uh, least
2: peaky thing. I've had to spend half an hour this morning putting the log fire on because I'm a bit tight and I'm not prepared to put heating on because the oil costs (laughs) too much. (laughs) Um, My peak thing, I am super excited. Want to be here because it's just fab to talk about stuff that I'm so passionate about. Also, I'm really excited because on Friday, I'm going to the Grand Hotel in Birmingham as a guest to somebody that's – up as a finalist in the Merkel Third, um, the Care Sector Awards, and it was somebody that I coached a couple of years ago. So I am super proud and super excited to see them.
1: Oh, that's brilliant!
0: My peak. Um, it's been a really, really good month. So no, so February is 28 days, but it's been 28 high impact days preparing for the live season finale of the Health Plus Care the XL. I just need to readdress the work-life balance and make sure i'm not um sort of alienating some of those personal relationships as well
1: um my my peak i think really is, is um it's quite a subtle one really i think it's um things like in my garden the daffodils are coming out the crocuses are coming out suddenly you can start to see spring and despite this morning being really cold, <laughs> I took the dogs out for a walk at about half six this morning and it was minus one. Um, so it was really quite fresh. There's something really lovely about seeing spring just around the corner.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, so yeah, just moving straight on to the topic. Um, so again, trauma is a huge thing in the social care sector. I think it's something that when people are talking about mental health in the care sector, we quite often mislabel trauma or skip over it altogether. Um, so I'm going to bring in Mark with question first of all. So so Mark, can you tell us a little bit about the kind of situations that can, that can lead to trauma?
1: To me, I think t- trauma is one of those things that is often... Um, often invalidated insofar as people view it as very, very, very serious things. So everyone, people think about traumatic events as, you know, a soldier coming back from, you know, fighting, Um, a train driver who has hit someone at a station, Um, you know, a police officer who's witnessed something horrendous. They view these sorts of very, very, very traumatic things. And they certainly, you know, certainly when they talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, PTSD then generally thinking it's things like that. But actually, the reality is, is it's incredibly broad, just like everything in life, just like things like stress, for example. We're all individuals, just like our DNA is different. Our fingerprints are different. Trauma is different for all of us. And it can mean anything to many, many different people. It could be all sorts of things. And people always tend to view it as incredibly serious, you know, gruesome things. It doesn't have to be you know, trauma by its very nature is something that creates a traumatic reaction in the body and the brain of an individual. So that can be very, very, very broad. And I think that's what's really important. It's, you know, when we're talking about the care sector here, because of the vocational nature of the job, you will get emotionally attached to people. So where there there is emotion involved, trauma can be rife. And I think that's one of the key things here, you know, the fact that, you know, if you are working in the social care sector, yes, there could be all sorts of traumatic events happening, you know, um, you know, customers, clients could die in that they could be very, very abusive to you, they could turn like that because of dementia or Alzheimer's, they could become quite physical against you, they could suddenly be your best friend, and then next minute, they're shouting and screaming at you, there's a whole host of things going on. Um, and I think that's that's what's really, really important to remember here. it's not just massive high impact things that happen. It can be anything, and I think that's what I think is one of those key things to bear in mind and I think as as I've said, when we're looking at social care, it is the caring nature of those carers that actually opens them up to potential trauma
0: um, so just want to bring our guest in here, so Um, Lucy, in your experience, what are some types of scenarios that care workers in particular face that may lead to trauma?
2: I think there's lots. Ultimately, if we look at social care, potentially we care for people for a longer period of time and you build up relationships. And, you know, just just the death of somebody that you care for is traumatic. And then if we take it to the point where it's not a good death, you know, the person's distressed or you haven't been able to get the medication correct, you know, for them, that in itself is distressing. If you can't get the right support and you feel like you're banging your head up against that brick wall and you're not getting the professionals in and, you know, you've got somebody who is potentially having some sort of crisis, and you're having to manage that and you don't feel supported, that can be traumatic. I mean, if I think about my nursing career over the years and some of the things that I think about my early days as as a a qualified nurse when I was in A&E and how I didn't have the knowledge and the experience to deal with the situations that I was put in. My brain wasn't able to deal with that. My emotions weren't able to process that stuff. Um, And I can remember one incident very clearly to this day. And it it caused me to leave the NHS completely. That's how I came to be in social care. And then if if we look at the things that have happened over the last few years, specifically related to the pandemic, it could have been simple things like the fact that, you know, one minute somebody was okay and the next minute they're gone. You know, homes weren't able to get PPE. The, the constant barrage of emails and guidance that from one minute to the next. And then on top of that, the fear, the massive fear of reprisal from the regulator or, you know, the, the local authority or the NHS who commission your service. And then when you've got emotions rife, people's behavior changes. And it may not be that positive. So again, you could be shouted at. You could be bullied in the workplace. There's so much that happens in social care that can be traumatic. And, you know, it could just be that one day somebody decides to attack you with a walking stick. And I think the fact that the sector, what happens on a daily basis is unpredictable because we deal with people.
0: There's a lot of instances in social care that does lead to to trauma. Um, But I just want to sort of bring it into, so Lucy, you worked in in inner care and nursing for many years, um, but you've previously talked about how trauma changed your life and led you to a career change. Would you be comfortable sharing your experience?
2: Yeah, cool. Um, So yes, I've worked in social care for over um, 32 years. Um, I've worked in the NHS as a nurse as well. And... um, in twenty eighteen, my personal world fell apart. Um, my mom had struggled all my life with her um, mental health. And interestingly, so, we're talking about trauma here, and it, you know the perception of a big thing being traumatic, but actually, if I reflect back on my mom as a little girl, she had scarlet fever and she was sent away to a home to be cared for now that in a child's brain would have been really traumatic i'm not loved i'm not cared for i'm not i'm not clean i'm infectious you can imagine the narrative that might have been going on around that and then things like she had chicken pox and she was left with a lot of scars on her face she was bullied for that so i can look back on my mom and see where she didn't deal. With the trauma that she went through in her life. And then when she was about 18, she was seeing a lad who um, unfortunately got on a motorbike for the first time and died through an accident. She never dealt with it, never. And um, she spent all my life um with depression. And she ended up having to have ECT, so uh, electric shock therapy, which can cause um. Cognitive changes, and in my mom, it did. So she ended up living with dementia, nursed with my dad. So in 2018, mom's health got much worse. Um, and we knew that she wouldn't last very long. So I was in a job that was very busy, uh, you know, head of compliance for a company, big responsibilities, single mom, even more responsibilities. There's my mom getting poorlier by the day. We were getting phone calls in the night where I'd have to go across and help my dad get a Floor and things, and ended up in hospital with sepsis. We were told she wouldn't make it, she did. That in itself was traumatic because we got our heads around the fact that we were told she was going to die, she didn't. Um, and then on top of that, I discovered that my daughter was very poorly. Um, and my daughter, I found one night, had taken an overdose, they didn't know that she was struggling I had no clue she'd hidden it and I went off to A with her and it was only at the point where she was having um, all the tests I discovered that she'd been self-harming for well over 12 months I never knew a thing she was going to school she was getting her grades the only thing we noticed that she was very sleepy when she came home from school but apart from that that was it my life turned upside down um, and then my mum got worse I'd gone off sick by this point in time And I ended up actually doing her nursing care with my dad. We nursed her at home. Um, And two days before she passed away, my daughter took her second overdose. We had no mental health support. We were sat on a waiting list. And um, yeah, my mum died on the the Wednesday. I managed to get my daughter out the day before. And then um, three weeks later, my mum's funeral on the Wednesday and then on the Friday, My daughter was admitted that she had another plan to try and end her life. And that was it. She went into hospital and spent 16 months in hospital, which is a whole other subject. Um, And I knew I couldn't work for anybody. So I had to leave my employer, set up my own business because it was the only way I was going to be able to earn money. And I had to put my daughter... And what she needed ultimately had to put me first. So I set up my business and here I am today, Um, five years later. And my business has evolved and it has grown through my personal experience, which was exceptionally traumatic. Um, My daughter is home. She's been home for a couple of years. She's been left with PTSD from her hospital journey. Um, it took me a long while to deal with what I was going through. Every week for nine months I went to see a counsellor. It was my safe place to empty my bucket and to be able to get on with my day. And that's how I come to be where I am today.
0: It's just a, it's just an incredible journey. Um I'd like to to bring Mark in.
1: Wow. <laughs> It's the second time I've heard that, obviously, because we had a pre pre call, um, and it's just unbelievable. It's just it's it's just breathtaking, um, really. And I think I think what it shows is, I think it shows also the power of of, of the power of therapy, doesn't it? You know, um, you lots of people go on about you know talk to people, talk you know talking's great, talking talking's great if you talk to the right person. So I think for me, a lot of this conversation really starts to look at, you know, trauma is something which is very, very real. But I think it would be good for us to maybe discuss how you unpack what that can actually lead to, you know, because trauma is a reaction to something. But the reality is, is that what you can see is mental health wise, this can start to cause some serious issues. And obviously, one of the one of the obvious things is around PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. But what you often find, or what I've certainly seen around trauma is, you know, this can absolutely kick into clinical depression, this can click into absolutely different types of anxiety. And I think this is why it's really, really key to to start to look at things like NLP, because this is where in my experience trauma needs a different therapeutic approach. So could you talk a little bit about what you do in NLP and how you and and, and how you found that useful and how that can be useful for people suffering from trauma within this sort of sphere of work.
2: So NLP linguistic programming is neuro brain, right? linguistic language programming how we do what we do. And ultimately, it's a collection of models or modalities that come from things like behavioral psychology. Um, and NLP has lots of different things in it that are very, very useful. And some of the basic ones are the presuppositions of NLP. And one of them is that people are not their behaviors. Behaviors come from something. So I've seen... Numerous comments lately about the amount of care staff that are struggling with their mental health and anxiety. And when you understand how the brain filters out information and how, you know, through an NLP perspective, parts of the brain just want to keep you safe. So it, our brains look for stuff and it, and it says, oh, that looks similar. Uh, I need to be concerned about that. And then you can understand how our brains store all of our memories. And if in those experiences we have that lead to the memory, if we don't process the emotion in the moment, our brains just store it, literally just store it. So if you think about we've got a care sector that have just got brains full with anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, and stress. So if we don't talk about an event that's happened or a death, or we reflect on it, if we don't do that stuff, then, and then the end of the shift happens at eight o'clock and the carriage just goes home. What they're doing is taking that emotion back with them and just putting it in the filing cabinet in the brain and storing it away for the next time that it happens. So some of the techniques that I can use are very gentle. And one of the things that people struggle with when they're finding things less easy with their mental health or they've been through trauma is that I don't want to feel that again. I can't go back to that emotion again. And, and they don't reach out for help because the actual process of talking about it, like I say, is really traumatic. So. One I'm a, a trainer of hypnotherapy, so hypnotherapy is absolutely fantastic for just settling down people's brains, making them a little bit calmer, and actually just putting people in a place where they can feel a little bit more resourceful and then one of the other fantastic techniques I can use is um, just a visualization technique, which is called timeline resourcing and it is incredible for people who have PTSD who have gone through real trauma because there doesn't need to be any context to the memory. I don't have to know what you're thinking about, and it's what your unconscious mind presents you, not your conscious mind. And it's just a great way of getting the brain to look at incidents, a longer timeline, and insert different knowledge into them. So the knowledge that I have now is greatly different to the knowledge that I had five years ago. So by doing it, all it does is put the knowledge I've got today into all of those memories from five years ago, which enables me to let go of the emotion.
0: Um, there's, um, there's a lot there to unpack. I think one thing that I love is people are not their behaviours. And again, something else which I didn't want to interrupt your flow at the time because you're in the middle of it and never want to interrupt that. So <laughs> so my history so I'm a cancer survivor so so I was a young 19 year old who was diagnosed with kidney cancer um luckily I was going into the army I had my medical test and they said there was some water in the blood I said well I can't see and they're like almost give me a clip around the ear goes no that's not how that works um so they said you need to go and see a doctor so I did um it was diagnosed super early so literally all they had to do was remove one kidney hadn't spread um but you hear the cancer word and you kind of get used to i'm gonna die and then when i didn't i almost developed a chip on my shoulder because that was the expectation because you have cancer you're gonna die it's like the the variable sort of the The survivor guilt Yeah. yeah yeah it's just it's a crazy thing and when you said it i was like I resemble that remark Um, and it is when you kind of like face a life or death experience and you come out the other side, you're like, you're almost a little bit angry. And then when people say to me, why are you so positive, happy, smiling, I'm like, I faced a life or death experience when I was 19. Any other day after that, I'm just kind of like grateful to be alive. So it's, um, yeah, I did kind of want to come in and just expand on that from a sort of lived experience point of view um been lots of great content so far. Again, we'll have a sort of resource pack. Um, but just want to ask both Mark and Lucy any other tips? So we'll start with our guest. Um Lucy, any other tips that we haven't covered? So anything you just want to wanna to throw in?
2: Oh, there's so many things. Um well I mentioned a technique called timeline resorting. Um, Not only can I work with individuals, but I can actually work with groups. It's a technique that can be done with groups. And because I'm a trainer of hypnotherapy, I can actually do that with groups as well. So that massively helps. It's really basic stuff that we can just do on a daily basis. And it's things like paying attention to the language we use. So you may have heard me say less easy. That's my choice to use that language. I don't tend to say things are difficult unless I'm finding them difficult Um, because I want my brain to pay attention to what I'm saying and I like to feed my brain stuff that's positive, which is probably why I found it less easy to do the the pits and the peaks thing in the beginning. Um, There's so many little things, really simple things that you can do and if anyone wants me to teach them how to do this then you know obviously they can reach afterwards but to use your peripheral vision more we spend so much time in forward focused vision looking at our computers and our phones it actually makes your brain waves faster but using your peripheral vision is a great way of settling your brain down if you can't sleep at night if you practice it as a habit you can fall asleep like that so easily it's a great way if you If the inspector calls and they knock on the door and you can feel your tummy go in and the last time they came, it wasn't so good, you use your peripheral vision. And I can guarantee you, you will feel calmer. Simple things like looking at doing box breathing or even breathing around your hand. Really, really simple techniques. And you know, when it comes down to it, in care, I think there's a lot of really basic stuff that we used to do that people don't do so much these days. That's called a tray of tea and a box of biscuits.
0: Everything's b- better after a cup of tea. A cup of tea, <laughs> and, and actually
2: just taking that time to sit and have a cup of tea, glass of water, whatever it is, and just be present with one another as a team.
0: Oh, definitely. It's all about being present, isn't it? Like I said earlier, sort of, yeah, almost bypassed that this month and, and that's on my sort of work in progress, the being present at the weekend instead of being in the notifications or thinking about the email or thinking about that customers. Just be just be present at the time. And like you say, a good cup of tea, a good cup of coffee, whatever is your preference, it's just time to sit down and reset. Um, Mark, just want to bring you in for any any more tips. Yeah, that-
1: um, I was going to talk about box or square breathing, but you just did that. So the other thing that I was thinking of was, um, and this is something that I've actually stopped doing, which I must start doing, which is I used to, if I ever felt overwhelmed, which is what trauma can often feel like, Um, I would often find, I would have a special place, right? Somewhere that I could go that was really, really special for me, all right? And when I was at school, I used to row. And I used to go up until probably 10 years ago, I would go to my old rowing club. And that was a special place for me. I'd go there. If I was full of thoughts and my head was like, you know, all jumbled up with loads of stuff going on in my life, I would go there and it would be the place that I could really, really settle and get my head together. It was amazing. And I just find that's quite a, quite a useful thing that if anyone can think of some way that's really, really magical or special for them, that means something where they can go and be present and put all of those technology things to one side and just think and just go through all the things that are causing you some issue and just work them through one by one. And I find that's a really, really useful, um, useful tool for me. Which, as I said, I've stopped doing, and I will start doing as of today. There you go. Checking in on the next episode. There you go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Making sure I'm doing it.
0: (laughs) So that session absolutely flew. Um, I could listen to Lucy and Mark talk about trauma all day, um, but we are out of time. So as always, we're going to check in and check out. So this is where myself, Mark, and our guest give our um tips about the benefits of a particular book exercise film activity personal interest i think once i talk about playing xbox so you come from all different walks of life um i'm a big music fan um i'm big big fan of lincoln park um, um one of from the latest album is a track called heavy um and it's, it's about holding on to that trauma um again really give her a listen it's a really thought-provoking song and when i'm going through a challenging time when i listen to that song it kind of why am i dragging around what's bringing me down is one of the lyrics in it um and i think it's just quite an apt song and it it always kind of like resets you want to listen to so heavy by lincoln park is my recommendation i will go over to lucy next lucy your recommendation
2: I walk the dog. I also like that piece of classical music, walking the dog. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: So, yeah, I walk the dog and um, I leave the phone at home and it enables me to be present. Uh, If I want to talk, I tend to go with my son. If I want to talk, I can. If I don't want to, we don't. And that is the one thing that get out there, get some fresh air. Get them good chemicals going around in your body. It doesn't matter if you cry all the way on your walk. doesn't matter if you laugh all the way on the walk. The important bit is that you're doing something and you're getting out and you're present. And I think the other thing I would say to anybody listening to this, you are worth getting support if you need it. And one of the bravest things that you can do
0: to help absolutely um i think yeah have been in so many boardrooms and so many pictures and presentations doing podcasts and um doing other people's podcasts um appearing on stage at the talk at the car conferences i know that you know that world as well but one of the scariest things i've ever done is gone to the gps and said i need help um it's yeah just a yeah. A super daunting exercise so mental so.
2: health does not discriminate you know we all have mental health and mental ill health does not discriminate
1: yeah mm-hmm. no, and exactly. the
2: more we talk about it the more we're honest about it the easier it will become
1: um for me my my re- uh recommendation is i think there's a lot of great books out there there's a lot of great stuff to read and a lot of them are really really heavy duty. A lot of them are really heavy duty when it's around mental health. Probably one of the best books I've ever read um, is a book called Counselling for Toads. Toads as in a frog, all right? And this is basically a book that is written. um, It's around transactional analysis, which is a particular type of therapy. um, But it is effectively a book that is written around the story of Wind in the Willows. And it's about Toad of Toad Hall. And it is absolutely brilliant. You can read it in one in, in kind of one sitting in you know two or three hours. But it is just the most wonderful way of describing, and it is just the most brilliant way of describing it in a very, very simple, childlike story way. But I guarantee you, if you read it, you'll recognize yourself in one of those characters. Guarantee it. And it's just brilliant. So counseling for toads, get it, it's brilliant.
0: Awesome, awesome. So read counselling for toads, then put Linkin Park <laughs> K, on, the, on the earphones and walk the dog. I think that's a that's a very nice routine. Um it's been amazing chatting to you, Lucy, about trauma. It's always amazing catching up with you, Mark. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you're notified when new episodes come don't forget we are at the health plus care show i'm doing the live season finale the next episode will be a episode with just myself and mark and i think we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome so so yeah that very that multifaceted imposter syndrome coming soon um take care everyone and stay safe